Hello, and welcome to Liz Life. That's Liz spelled with two Z's. I'm your host, Elizabeth with an S. Um, This podcast has been a long time coming, and I am really excited to be here with you and learn and grow. For those of you that don't know me, uh, I have been a trainer for about nine years. It'll be nine years in December. I have been a trainer since December 2013. I graduated with a degree in exercise science from Florida State University in December of 2015, Um, and I love my job. Currently, I take private training clients, and I also developed and run a functional strength and conditioning program that has about just shy of 200 members and seven trainers, um, most of whom I have trained myself. Uh, The program is designed to teach people how to move, how to lift, how to nourish their body through behavioral changes, um, small but impactful changes that make a really big difference to help show people the joy of movement um, and training. So a little bit about my background. I actually did not start, um, I've not been athletic like my whole life. Um, I was not like a high school athlete or anything like that. Um, in fact, when I was in middle school, so I think maybe as a child, I played, you know, soccer and stuff as a kid. Um, at the time there wasn't really a girl's team. So I was on a boy's team, which was great. I was a theater kid growing up. Um, and when I was in middle school, I actually had, you know, I was quite overweight, glasses, braces, the whole thing, um, bullied a little bit. And then eventually I grew into my weight, um, started, you know, I got a boyfriend, started experimenting with partying and things like that. Um, it wasn't until I got into high school that I started going to yoga with my mom when I was about 14 and we would do hot yoga. It was quite intense and I fell in love with it. When I got to college, obviously that stopped. I didn't have a car, so I gained the freshman 15 pretty quickly. Um, I, Purchased one of those, you know, at-home DVDs, um, and I would do two really intense HIIT workouts a day, and I put myself on a 500-calorie diet. It was brutal. Uh, People loved how I looked. (laughs) I was still partying and doing all the things that one does in college, Um, but it was brutal. And then the next year, that was my freshman year, and then the next year, um, I hit a really dark place. So I, I went into... I switched my major to information communication technology and I hated it. I was miserable. Um, I ended up dating. I lived in a house. I dated one of my roommates, which is a terrible idea that went south very quickly. And that household turned really toxic really fast. Um, I was failing all of my classes. I was really just an emotionally stressful situation. My parents were going through a divorce. There was a lot going on emotionally for me. Um, and I just needed to get out of the house. So I went to the gold's gym nearby and I got a trainer shout out to LB who changed my life. Um, and I never looked back. I changed my major to exercise science, which now became exercise physiology the year, I think the year after I graduated and, um, I cannot express to you what that gave me. 
um, the joy of movement is so profound. For me, it showed me that how strong I am, how capable I am. Um, nobody can do those reps, those sets, that weight. Nobody. It, it is a physical manifestation of how capable you are, and you show up every day to give yourself something that no one else can. And there is something so beautiful and profound about that. And when I fell in love with the gym, um, there was a bunch of different reasons, but the big one was everyone is coming together to do something that serves them. No matter what your walk of life is, you know, because I'm fascinated by human psychology. Um, I'm fascinated by the human mind. And there were people from all walks of life, generations and backgrounds and different goals and perspectives who were coming together to do something for themselves. And no matter what that is, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, so I fell in love with the gym environment. I fell in love with training and movement. I changed my major and I actually became a trainer myself before I graduated, um, which is how I became a trainer for so long. When I graduated with a degree in exercise science, you can go on to become registered with the American College of Sports Medicine, the ACSM, as an exercise physiologist. Essentially, what that means is that I am smarter than your average bear. You know, I've, I've taken classes in anatomy and physiology, uh, metabolism, science of nutrition, all the kind of stuff, exercise physiology, exercise testing and prescription, so that I can, I am more equipped to prescribe fitness. Um, I really like when people say, oh, I love that you're into fitness. Um, I'm into fitness like doc, like a doctor is into medicine. Uh, I prescribe fitness. I help people find what movement serves them. Um, for some people, it is HIIT training. For some people, it's strength training. For some people, it's yoga. For some people, it's Zumba. Whatever it is for you, that is valid and that is beautiful. And as long as you are consistent, that is good, right? Um, obviously, I, in terms of health, weight bearing exercise has some pretty significant long-term results on bone density, right? Cardiovascular exercise for your heart. Um, everything has its purpose, but that is between your health and your doctor and your goals and your body. Um, and that prescription looks different for everyone. Um, there are baseline recommendations that we give for general health, but whatever serves you is fine. Um, this podcast is born out of what I feel is a necessity for context and nuance that is missing in this industry. Um, everybody really wants to have the most perfect thing. Uh, diet culture, fitness culture has this really great, it does a really great job of shaming people into doing the most perfect thing. Um, as if there is some kind of secret that you're missing into your health and wellness and progress. Um, and I reject that. I just reject that vehemently. Um, you know, there are a couple of baselines that we look for, but for the most part, if you're moving, I'm happy. If you are nourished, I'm happy. Um, you know, this culture of everything needs to be organic and, you know, we're going to eliminate a macronutrient or this is the most perfect way to do this if you want this. And it's like, everybody calm down. You know, we're so quick to get online and judge people and, oh, this form looks weird or they shouldn't be doing this or I heard this or, you know, TikTok told me this or Instagram told me that or Facebook, my uncle's brother, sister, cousin who was once a bodybuilder told me this. Enough. Enough. 
there is no, you don't know people's lives. You don't know what their anatomy looks like, what their injury history is. You don't know what their dietary restrictions are. You don't know anything about people. So mind your business. Um, a lot of my job is spent absolving people of this pressure of perfection and allowing themselves the opportunity to just move their body in a way that serves them, to nourish their body in a way that serves them. Um, most people are protein deficient. This is true. You know, muscle is an organ and your, your skeletal muscle is an organ and it requires nourishment. Um, if you want to grow that, there are certain things that have to happen. That is a, that is goal specific. That is personal. Um, and that's something that can be, that needs to be discussed with people. You know, obviously there are recommendations for your body composition and for your body weight, but some people have kidney issues. Now, aside from kidney issues, you know, what, you know, whatever it is, that's between them and their doctor. But I think, I think this lack of context and nuance, um, does it doesn't leave a lot of room for enough conversation with people and applies a lot of pressure to do the most perfect thing. If you can't get 150 grams of protein a day just yet, that's okay. Start at 80. See how that makes you feel. Then go to 100. See how that makes you feel. Then move to 120, right? There's progress and progression and things like that. If you can't lift weight a certain way because you have an injury, we dial that back. We rehab that injury and we work towards this type of movement. Um, You know, maybe you have back issues or some kind of joint issue and you can't do the perfect plank yet, right? We, we dial that back. I I once posted a client success. They were doing some rehabilitation. They did a plank the best that they could. And another trainer commented on that post to say, that's not how you do a plank. Bite me. You don't know anything about this client. You don't know anything about this human. You have no idea how hard they worked. Mind your business. Just say congrats. Just spread positivity. I am in a place in my life now um, where I am aggressively uninterested in anything but authenticity and kindness in my life. And I encourage the same of my clients and of my friends um, to put boundaries in place where people, where you remove access from people who do not, who do not offer that to you. Um, I am here to try to help offer that to you. Uh, I don't always win. I don't always nail it, but I am doing my best. Um, I like to give an analogy uh, I used to be, I used to be a little sea dinghy in the ocean. And anytime a wave came and rocked and swayed, it would toss me about. I was very emotionally volatile. Uh, now I like to think of myself as a yacht. Uh, I am built with internal stabilizers where it would take a Titanic size iceberg to rock or sink this boat. Um, again, I don't always nail it. You know, I'm still working uh, on not losing my shit from time to time, you know, but life is hard. Life is hard all on its own. And your training, your movement, that should be a solace from that. You know, working out for me, my strength training puts me into what we call a flow state. It is a meditative practice where I am focused solely on the movement and my breath and the contraction and my performance. Is my form good? Do I feel powerful? Am I, am I progressing in a way that serves me? All of that, that energy 
that energy that I feed back into myself, that is everything. And you deserve that. You deserve to find movement that serves your soul. You deserve nourishment that serves your soul. And diet culture can fuck all the way off. Um, Diet culture has us on this pendulum of perfection and obliteration where we have to be the most perfect thing or we can't do anything at all, right? My job is to help people be here, right? And so that when life happens, because life is hard and when life happens, um, we can find more balance, that we can still execute the few things that serve us. Um, Let's go through, we're going to go through a quick, um, very, I'm going to strip away some real specific stuff. And we're going to go through a quick nutrition lesson that will hopefully help give you a better framework for your nourishment, whatever that might be. Now, for the sake of this lesson, we are going to pretend that we don't know anything about nutrition. I don't care what Instagram or Facebook or whatever has told you. Again, what your uncle's brother, sister, cousin, who was once a bodybuilder told you, we're going to wipe all of that away. Are you ready? Here we go. When we talk about body composition, uh, fat loss, fat gain, muscle loss, muscle gain, we are talking almost exclusively about energy balance, right? Energy balance is just how much energy does it take to power your being, right? If I take in more energy than I need in a given day, my body's like, fab, I'm going to take that. I'm going to use that for, I'm going to store that for later use. I'm going to put that on board as body fat because that's how your body stores extra energy, right? For the most part. If you do more work it takes in on a given day, then your body is like, cool, I have that energy stored. I'm going to use my energy stores to help do that work, right? Um, And that's how we lose weight. This energy gain and energy lost is essentially calories in, calories out. Now, that is a very gross oversimplification of metabolism. Um, We can go through and pick that apart to the the teeth, absolutely. But for the sake of this conversation, we're going to keep it really simple. There are three things that contribute to energy balance. Those are going to be proteins, carbs, and fats. Alcohol actually has its own energy balance, but that's like the redheaded stepchild. We're not going to talk about him today. Um, right now, at rest, your body is burning almost exclusively fat. Now, this is because fat is an expensive macronutrient. It requires an oxygen molecule to attach to a fat molecule in order to unlock and unleash it for all the fabulous energy it has available to it. This is where diet culture really fucks us. Because diet culture says, oh, well, if you eat more fat, you burn more fat. Do you steady state cardio and you burn more fat? Yes, this is technically true. But by that logic, I might as well sleep all day because I'm not doing more work, right? I am not utilizing more energy. What we want, right, if we're talking about energy in and energy out, is we want to do more quality work, both in that time and also the following subsequent 24 and 48 hours. Now, 
Carbohydrates are an inexpensive macronutrient. They do not require an oxygen molecule to attach and unleash, and unleash for energy. They are very easily accessible to the body. So this is generally why you see with performance, right? We try to take in carbohydrates before our movement, before our performance, so that we have more energy readily accessible to do hard work. Because when you start to lift heavy, run fast, and you start to run out of oxygen, right? You move into carbohydrate burning mode because again, they do not require oxygen to metabolize, to use for their energy. This is why we do carbohydrates before that movement and then carbohydrates and protein after movement in order to replenish those stores and use that protein to recover. Notice that I did not talk about protein to do work with. That's because generally speaking, we don't use protein to do work right? But we use protein for virtually every other metabolic function. An example I like to give is your cells are constantly regenerating, right? Cells require DNA to replicate. DNA is made up of codons. Codons are made of protein. So in a very oversimplified meathead way, if you are not building muscle, you are burning muscle. There are really only a couple places that your body stores muscle, right? That's going to be your skeletal muscle mass, and your visceral organs. If you do not take in enough protein to maintain those muscle stores and to perform those metabolic functions, your body will take from those protein stores in order to perform those metabolic functions. So with that being said, when I give a nutrition recommendation, assuming that there are uh, no kidney or other digestive issues at play, I usually will give someone their lean body mass equivalent of protein, ballparking usually 100 grams. Now, for the most part, when people come to see me, they're usually getting in closer to 40, maybe 60 grams of protein. So 100 is kind of a big jump. In a perfect world, if they were a bodybuilder or they had very lofty um, body composition goals, would I give them more? Would I give them more specific nutrient tracking? Maybe, but not everyone's a bodybuilder. And this is where, and this is where diet culture gets really tricky because when I first got into fitness, um, I was in bodybuilding culture. I mean, I ate like that as if that was supposed to be the healthiest thing. And bodybuilders, by the way, are phenomenal athletes, no shade to them. I mean, those people work so hard, incredible athletes, but when they step on that stage, they are at their least healthy, right? When we're talking about health and wellness and longevity. We are talking about finding, we are talking about finding balance and nuance, right? It is very easy to say, eat chicken, rice, and broccoli six meals a day, don't eat carbs here, eat carbs here. Um, when you are an athlete of that nature, right? Whether you are a professional swimmer or a football athlete or a bodybuilder, right? And the thing with bodybuilders, because they're so they're in the gym, you see them every day, um, and they look so good. That kind of mentality seeps its way into the general population, and so people think that they have to exist like that in order to be in the gym space, in order to feel healthy and feel good. Um, that is not how life works. That is not how you work. You are not required to be a bodybuilder just to work out. Um, do I recommend preparing your food? Yeah. If you have body composition goals, um, you know, again, context, nuance, there are things that serve your goals and then there are things that serve your soul. And sometimes what happens is we prioritize the things that serve our soul and not the things that serve our goals. 
And then we look around and we haven't reached our goals. So I offer a couple of suggestions that might help you serve your goals better. So you can prioritize protein, veggies, hydration, and movement, and then leave some room for the things that serve your soul and absolve yourself from this pendulum swing. I will never tell somebody no, unless it's a trigger or, you know, we need to set some boundaries, um, to something. But I will say, if you have prioritized this so much that you are not prioritizing the things that serve your goals, you're not going to hit those goals, you know? And so we have to refocus and be intentional with our choices so that we make choices that serve us and our goals, not from a place of shame or restriction, but from a place of servitude and love and gratitude. You know, I think it's, you know, the body positivity movement is wonderful. I am 10 out of 10 on board, but I think there is this idea that you're not allowed to want to change your body composition. And I think that's a little unfair. You are absolutely allowed to want to change your body composition. You are allowed to want something different without shaming yourself into it. You can love your body as it is and be grateful for what it's done for you and say, you know what? It deserves to move a little better. I deserve to feel a little stronger. I deserve to move a little bit more limberly. Those things um, allow you to grow and, you know, you can love your home and want to move and check out the scenery somewhere else. There's nothing wrong with that. And your body is beautiful just the way it is, but it deserves nourishment. It deserves movement. You deserve to feel good. You deserve to feel gratitude and love for your body and you deserve to continue to grow. When we talk about um, diet culture and I'll circle back, you know, when I first became a trainer, I was a trainer at the, the very gold gym that I had signed up on, I had signed up at and, you know, being a woman in fitness has a lot of um, at the time had a lot of stigma. I definitely felt like I had to essentially play whose dick is bigger with my coworkers. Cause they were all big jack bodybuilders. I mean, a bunch of meatheads. I was the only female trainer for the three years that I worked there, four years that I worked there. And for the first two months, nobody talked to me because they weren't sure I was cool enough. So I really subscribed to this extreme diet. I subscribed to their diet culture. I just subscribed to their way of lifting their, their training, um, in order to feel like I belonged in that space. So I'm very familiar with, um, wanting or feeling like you have to prove yourself, um, which I felt like I had been doing for the majority of my career. Um, obviously now I no longer feel that way. I would consider myself, um, pretty well versed given the sheer volume of humans that I have interacted with. Um, the person that I've become, the things that I've learned over the last decade, um, have really armed me with tools in my tool belt that I otherwise would not have had. Um, but the culture is very different. I mean, even back then I couldn't even find pants with pockets. (laughs) Absolutely not. I, you know, we were cutting our own bro tanks. I could only find clothes at Marshall's, uh, or TJ Maxx you know, but now everyone there, I mean, everyone has a fitness line, which is such a beautiful thing to see women in fitness, women with strength training was, is profound. I mean, back then it was me and 
two other girls in the gym. We became best friends because there were no other female lifters. And now it is an honor and a privilege to see so many strong, powerful women in the fitness space that aren't bodybuilders, that aren't um, group X instructors. Not that there's anything wrong with group X, um, but that culture of you had to be performative, I think, um, was kind of where women were at. And now you see women just coming into strength train for powerlifting, for their own personal growth. It is, it's much more commonplace for women to weight train now just because they want to feel strong or they want to build curves or they want to be capable. And that is, oh man, that's such a beautiful thing to see. Um, that is just so profound. And I am so grateful to be a part of that. What makes me and the rest of our staff such good trainers, what makes a quality trainer is not the fact that you like to work out. It is the fact that you want to give to people what working out has given to you. Can you communicate that well? Can you articulate those needs? Can you empower people to feel confident in themselves? Can you share with them the joy that it has given you. And that's, that's really the crux of it all. That is really, um, that's really what matters. And, you know, I have spent a lot of my career and I mentioned this, like I wear my strength, like a suit of armor, you know, I've always had a very strong aesthetic, um, you know, I've always been the only girl in the neighborhood. When I was younger, I was bullied for my size. I am not unfamiliar with um, being pressured to do the most perfect thing. Um, but as I've, you know, as I've moved through this career and I've evolved and changed, there have been a few things that have remained really constant in this industry. And one of those is... One of those is the pressure that people feel to be perfect or to have the secret formula or to do the most perfect thing. And they are on this pendulum swinging back and forth and back and forth um, because this is not sustainable and you do not have to be perfect. You do not have to be restrictive or punish yourself um, from some perceived sense of unworthiness or um, train like someone you saw who is a competitor. You know, you're allowed to just want to move. You're allowed to just want to feel good. Um, you're allowed to want to nourish your body. And that is something that I try to offer to people. You know, going back to the nutrition lesson, um, a very gross oversimplification of nutrition, by the way. Um, but going back to that, you know, protein, veggies, hydration movement, when I give people a protein goal, um, that is to add and to reframe protein and muscle and the importance of muscle into your body, like into your mindset, right? Number one. Number two, I don't really care about how many carbs and fats you eat. Everybody is different. Your body does a really good job of telling you what it wants and what it needs and what it's craving. Um, that's up to you. You know, I'm not a dietitian, I'm not a nutritionist. Um, 
I can only offer things that I think will help serve you and your performance. Um, I do ask people to have a vegetable goal. Uh, most people are on probiotics or other digestive enzymes, and I find out they haven't had a real vegetable in three months. Um, your greens powder doesn't count. Please eat a real vegetable. I don't know why you don't want to eat a vegetable. They're very good for you. They do not have to be organic. Just eat a veggie uh, because the alternative is that you don't eat a vegetable. I don't know. Just a thought. Uh, most people don't drink enough water. Uh, don't have enough hydration. I don't really care if it's water or crystal light or what zero calorie, whatever, have your diet soda. If you want, you know, um, water is ideal, but if you are not having any liquids all day, start somewhere, you have to start somewhere, you know, something, something that's sustainable. If you're drinking full sugar, Coca-Cola, maybe move to a diet Coke then to something lighter. And ultimately we can get you to water. Um, some people have to quit cold Turkey. You know, that that's up to you and your behavioral change, but we're here to help you navigate that, to listen to you and to help you navigate that. And I do not trust anyone who says that they have the answer, that they have the secret. There is no secret. There's only yours. There's only your path. There's only what serves you. Um, and I reject, and I would be very worried, I would be very wary of anyone who says otherwise. Um, because again, context, nuance, like you have kind of our, we kind of have our baseline standards for what general good health should be. And those include some pretty concrete recommendations. Um, but the path to get there is your journey. That's what fitness offers you. That's what good training offers you. That's what good boundaries offers to you. Um, to find balance for yourself and to do something that serves you. That's the big thing. The whole point of this podcast is that I am, I am trying to use my years of knowledge of navigating this industry as it changes and uh, grows and my own personal experiences with therapy and my own personal growth through uh, my journey through leadership and communication um, to help arm you with tools to help better your life. And hopefully you'll help arm me with tools to better my life. You know, I wear my strength like a suit of armor. You know, I used to operate under the premise that I am strong. I'm like Wonder Woman, right? I'm a superhero. I can lift all these things. You can't hurt me. And I treated people like they couldn't hurt me, which meant that I would hurt them because what could they do to me? Um, I don't operate like that anymore. I don't, I don't recognize that person anymore. You can hurt me. Um, this podcast is also my journey to be more vulnerable and authentic and stand in my own imperfection, um, and offer that to you. You know, life is fucking hard. It really is. We don't have to make it harder. We get to be kind. We get to empower one another. We have an opportunity to be authentic with one another and to create space for us to learn and grow and make mistakes and change um, and articulate ourselves better. And I'm really excited to do that with you. You know, I now try to strip away and stand without my armor. 
Um, it's difficult for me most days. Um, but it is something that I try to be authentic with our staff about and my clients and members. And now hopefully with you, um, I hope you learned something today. I know that I am going to learn much from you. Um, I'll leave you on this note. We are, I like to think of ourselves as a pillar and we get, we get stimuli from the world, input, 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 what people say to us, things that happen in our lives, whatever it is. And that has to be sifted through the pillar that is us, our own, our own internal journey, right? Who we are as a person, what our experiences are, how we have been shaped, what our responses are. And we can either be reactionary and just filter and just whip out a response and be super reactionary, or we can take a second digest, ruminate, and decide how we are going to respond. And whether that is the way we communicate, the choices we make, are we going to move our body? Are we going to lay on the couch? Are we going to self-sabotage? What is the actionable step that I am going to take to move myself forward, to continue on this path? How do I want to behave? And some days we fucking nail it. Some days we don't. Some days my best is way up here, but some days she'd be down here and it'd just be like that sometimes. You know, allow yourself the space to be human, but know that you have a choice of how, of who you want to be and how you want to behave and how you want to articulate yourself and how you want to make the people around you feel. Do you want to make people around you feel unworthy or do you want to help them feel empowered? What is it that you want? Do you want to love yourself more? Act like it because you deserve it. I hope that you found today's podcast helpful. I hope you found it to offer you some level of insight of how you want to navigate today. Um, I hope that you have questions and maybe some feedback from me of how I can help make things clear or explain things better, um, or just generally be a better person. Uh, it is an absolute pleasure to join you in this space. Uh, please leave a comment below. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the Liz life. That's Liz with two Z's. Remember I'm your host, Elizabeth with an S. And I hope you have an incredible day and shine on my friends. Thanks for joining me. Welcome to the Liz Life. The Liz Life. Welcome to the Liz Life. Welcome to the Liz Life. Liz Life. Welcome to the, welcome to the, welcome to the Liz Life. The Liz Life Welcome to the Liz Life